Welcome to Courage Stories, a podcast series where teammates share their stories on being courageous while embracing who they are and how they are allies for others. With your hosts, Louis Martirez and Rachel Wade. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you. I'm super excited to be doing the very first Courage Stories podcast. I know. I'm super excited about this. I'm a little nervous about this, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, this is my first actual podcast ever, so oh, it'll there we be go. an experience for both of us <laughs> and a bit of a journey that hopefully people want to go on with us. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe where we should start is maybe we should tell the, the folks out there like who we are. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go first? Sure. I've been with ATB for going on 10 years in October, which is unbelievable, and it's been a great great ride along the way. My official title at ATB now is Director of Equity for Diversity Markets. So looking at how we can break down banking for the underheard and underserved populations of Alberta and make that space a little bit more equitable than it is now. On a volunteer side of things, I am the chair of Elevate, which is ATB's team member network focused on advancing women in the workplace. And I know you and I have connected a lot in that space. That's pretty much me in a nutshell as far as roles and titles go at ATV. My name is Louis Martirez. Uh, my official job title is Lead Talent Strategist. And so it's just a fancy way of saying that I'm the, the lead for the ATB 101 program. So all the students that work for us have probably interacted with me in some way, shape or form. Also a volunteer job as well. Uh, and as you know, uh, so I'm the chair of the LGBTA uh, network, uh, which is a network for our LGBTQ plus team members and our allies. We recently did a lot of work around ATB 11 this past year. Love ATB 11. Yeah, me too. It's been very rewarding work and uh, we're in the process of launching an ally campaign. And so we thought we would launch this podcast as, as part of that series. But also hope that the Courage Story podcast will also continue to live on in telling the stories of everyday ATBers. Yeah, and I'm really just excited to hear more about people's personal stories on their level and however they want to share it. So it'll be really great to just sit down with different people from different places and corners of ATB and, and hear what their experience has been like. It's it's really incredible. I've had a chance to speak to team members and do pre-interviews with team members all across the province. And it's just incredible, the stories that you hear. I've learned so much from each and every single one of them. And I'm so excited to share these stories because I think there's so much that we can learn from these people who are being very courageous and very vulnerable. Yeah, and by speaking for themselves, they're often speaking up for other people, which is the other part of the ATP 11, right, is mm-hmm. is be an ally for others. So sometimes by just being courageously yourself, you are actually, in fact, being an ally for those around you who maybe haven't felt the courage to step into that space yet. So yeah. kudos to everybody who joins this podcast and yeah. shares their story. I agree. Absolutely. So you were around, obviously, when ATP 11 was launched. You were in the room, right? I was in the room. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. How was that for you? It was phenomenal. For me, this has been just such a great long journey with ATB, watching us as we've kind of grown and evolved as an organization and just gotten better and better and better. I was part of sort of when I guess our first ever diversity and inclusion campaign, which had to do with those postcard stories. I don't know if anyone out there remembers those, mm-hmm. but that was about storytelling from a personal perspective too. And then we made that ebook and all of this. So it's great to see the extension of this and how it's actually become gone from being a campaign to actually becoming a pillar in our mm-hmm. cultural values and right. who we are. So that for me was just so exciting to go from that space to uh, watching all the work you did with ATB 11 and all you know the crew and reputation and brand and everyone mm-hmm. else that was on board um, and just see it come to life in a really awesome way and what better way to do that than have one ceo pass that baton to another right and just pass that along so it was pretty special i mean obviously lauren it was one of his last Mm -hmm. days and it was it was dave's last uh kind of big spotlight with atb so it was a pretty special place to be and then and then introducing curtis as as the new lead of of ATB. So that was a great moment in time for so many reasons. I actually wasn't even here at, at ATB during the launch. I actually left right before the launch. I was in Turkey somewhere. And I remember watching the final video go out. I was sitting in a market in Turkey and I had my phone. Actually, no, I was sitting in a cafe. And I had my phone and me and my boyfriend were in uh, this cafe and, and watching ourselves and watching all the other uh, people that we filmed and just tearing up just realizing, wow, like this is a lived experience for both of us and it's making us feel this way. Let's just think about what this is going to do 
you know, to all ATVers and Albertans just in general. Yeah, and I love how you shared that moment with your boyfriend because that's the thing too, is like we're not just work people or home people, like so much of our life flows between those two personas Mm -hmm. of who we are and hopefully just becomes one whole person. But more and more so now as we look at the integration of work and life. So these things that are affecting us at work and these values that we have at work also, we we carry those home with us, right? Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool to see that happening. So what are you hoping for from the Courage Stories? My hope is to see some growth in making ATB 11 truly come to life. So we've kind of put the stake in the ground and how do we make sure that we have these proof points kind of all over the place Mm -hmm. that this is, that we are who we say we are, Mm -hmm. both internally with our customers, uh, with all Albertans all around. And also I'd love to see growth in empathy around Mm -hmm. ATB. So I think the more you get to know people on a very human level, the more empathy there is to go around and a lot more understanding that happens. And we stop those sort of knee-jerk reactions to judge Mm -hmm. and assume that that person is coming at it from a perspective that we would come from it at and that maybe there's something else going on there that we, you know, can't see at the surface Mm -hmm. or there's a lived experience there that's informing the way someone might be reacting or approaching a situation. So Mm -hmm. I just think it makes everything better. So just, I'd love to see this really solidify living ATB 11 in its truest form and even more empathy going around the organization than there already is. I was just having this conversation with another team member right before I walked into this room around there are, I feel, and as I talk to people all across the organization and I asked them the same question like how do you feel about ATV 11 like what were your initial thoughts like real talk tell me exactly how you felt in that room and I'm getting a wide variety of reactions to it and I think one of the most powerful reactions I got to it was I hope this isn't something that we say I hope this is something that we will do this is so needed and it's such a relief to me that we're actually doing this We tend to kind of talk about all the really nice things and great things that happen, but there are things that we don't necessarily talk about very well. And if we're thinking about creating that place where we all belong, where it's the place to be completely all in, where I can be all in with myself, we need to have these tough conversations so that we can create spaces so that we can exist as we are and not necessarily have to wear a mask every time we walk into a meeting or meet a new leader or a new team member, that sort of thing, because we're afraid of what how they're going to react if they knew the real me. Yeah, I know. I mean, just from with my Elevate hat on, there's a, been mm-hmm. a lot of conversations around how women can present themselves almost less like women, right? Right. Like, how can we talk in a way that's going to be perceived more masculine, even though that's not necessarily the word that's used for it at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. It's like trying to fit yourself into this mold so you can succeed in your career by sounding more like how men approach their career. Mm -hmm. And I always find that an interesting conversation because, yes, maybe that is the reality. So those are tools that I guess you want in people's Mm -hmm. toolkit. But what I would like is to not need that toolkit because... I can just show up as a woman or as whoever I am as an individual even, forget the woman part even. It's interesting, I mean, when I hear a lot of conversations like that, I feel like we still have a ways to go for people Mm -hmm. to really be themselves versus a version of themselves that they think can be successful in this environment. Yes. Um, So yeah, anyways, it's just, that's a bit of a side note that you kind of triggered in my mind. But I also think that along with kind of empathy, growth and empathy, I think the more we understand each other, the more creative we get too. Mm. One, because you're safer and you feel less vulnerable, that you can be totally wacky and throw the crazy mm-hmm. big sky ideas out there and 10x things without feeling judged. But also I just think the more you understand people, the more ideas you have about the world. So right. I think we'll just be a more innovative organization too, which is pretty exciting. So this week we're doing uh, something maybe a little bit crazy, <laughs> kind of building off that idea. We're launching that LGBTQ plus ally campaign from the LGBTA network. Ooh. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's something that we have been working on. So just to give everybody a heads up as to how this all came about. So ATB 11 actually came from this ally campaign. We were going down the route and I was working with Calvin Seaman um, and we were talking about ally campaign and what can we do to help all ATBers become better allies for our particular community? And we had conversations like we had probably been talking about this ally campaign for a good one to two years before it landed in front of a project team that I think just got it. And they said, this is more than just an ally campaign. This is an ATB 
And so back in June, we launched the 11th ATB, and now we're actually going full circle again and saying, okay, with that ally campaign, we still gotta do that. <laughs> so we're going forth with that. We have uh, a call to action to all ATBers. So Robin is a phenomenal ally, and we're actually gonna be recording a podcast with him in the future here. So everybody will get to understand his story. But this is very important work um, because I think as we talk about the 11th ATB as kind of the broad overall ATB to encompass all the actions that it takes to be creating an inclusive environment where we all belong. We also need to lean into the different communities, right? So within Elevate, you know, talking about uh, women's and gender issues, right? And then on the LGBT side of things, there's also things that even though our communities have experienced marginalization, we also experience them in different ways, right? homophobia and transphobia and biphobia although not that dissimilar from misogyny and other forms of discrimination there are nuances to that that i want people to understand well in the marginalized groups within the marginalized groups right? yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and i think there's also this also incredible intersection to the intersectionality that i want to talk about too because i think what what people start to realize is that as they listen to my story or the story of any other gay bi or trans person in this organization or across this great province um, that they're starting to start to realize that there's elements of that story even though it's coming from a gay person that there's going to be like oh i understand what that marginalization is like because this happened to me somebody treated me less than in this moment because I was a, you know, a woman or because I was a person of color or things of that nature. And, and I think that goes back to that empathy that you're talking about, right? Yeah, and also that kind of theme that I think threads throughout it is belonging, right? So yeah. that sense of belonging or lack of belonging is something that you might experience in different ways or there might be different indicators of that depending on on where you're coming from but belonging is something we all crave and when you have Mm -hmm. it you can feel it right and when you don't have it you know it too so i think there's that sense of belonging that's a thread throughout all of those different types of groups and and lived experiences yes that's the dream really to create that place where we all belong where we can just be who we are right totally so that's, that's perfect. And talking about people who are courageous, our first guest is going to be Ange Pei. She works here in Calgary uh, in Transformation. And she's someone I've gotten to know. I don't know if you've never met her before. I haven't. Yeah. No. yeah but, but now I definitely am going to. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. so inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Her story is just phenomenal. I got to know her about uh, a year, year and a half ago as I was kind of looking for people to join my committee and I was definitely looking for a woman's voice on the committee. For those who don't know, my committee's quite male-dominated and I'm trying to to break that up a little bit. Uh, As I got to know her story, we connected over so many things, being both gay, both being people of color, also having parents that were new immigrants to Canada as well. As people that are from that particular community, you're trying to fit in within Canada. You're also trying to figure out your sexuality and who you're attracted to and while navigating all these different kind of cultural barriers as well. And I really wanted to share her story with us today. So she agreed to sit down for a bit of a conversation with me the other day and she shared her story. So I thought that we would give it a a bit of a listen and maybe we can chat about it after. Awesome. Can't wait. So thank you, Anj, for joining us today. It's really great to have you on part of the Courage Story Project today. So we're going to talk a little bit about your story, but before we go into that, can you maybe just tell us a little bit about who you are and, and, and what you do at ATV? Yeah, of course. My name's Anj. I'm a junior product manager within the automation team. 22, I'm also a university student, so it's a big part of uh, my time spent on a daily basis. So between that and ATB and my role and working with AI and robotics process automation, just that world there that's encompasses a little bit about who I am, I think. What are you taking in school? Getting my bachelor's of commerce. I'm slowly inching close to the end. Should be done by 2019. Did you do any sort of like tech studies before, like technology or no. computer science? Okay. No. How did you fall into <coughs> robotics and AI? I don't know, man. I, I started here and under Yonka like a year, like when I started last year, and we just kind of got swept with it. And, uh, I don't know, we start with the Google transition. Next thing you know, um, my managing director um, oversaw the whole automation team. And then we kind of slowly merged under there and I found myself there. And uh, one thing led to another, started working on a few projects. And now it's part of everything that I do here. So it's it's you just go with the flow. Something cool happens, that's for sure. Yeah, Did you You didn't ever anticipate that you'd be working no. in this area? No, no. never. I, I, didn't, I don't even think I anticipated working at a bank 
it was just by fate that I ended up at ATB, to be honest. Tell me a little bit about your childhood and, and how you were raised. I'd say Ivory Coast. That's where I was a kid and kind of grew up a little bit. I was there for about seven years. Just there with my mom and my grandma. Probably like one of the best times, to be honest. It was just happy go living. Youngest in my class all the time. After that, we moved to Tunisia. That was a whole different shift in just kind of community and just the environment. It was a complete different world, even though we were still in Africa, just something I'd never seen before. So that was pretty cool. My family kind of grew there. My mom got married. I got a little brother. He's like the best thing ever, too. So things started to get rocky with my mom's work and stuff like that. So we ended up moving to Canada. And that was 11 years ago. And I've moved a lot, been to a whole bunch of different schools, different communities. But I've always had my family as a constant. So that's always been a blessing on that. And I've just been able to adapt because you just kind of have to with moving so i guess that where, where that agile piece comes in exactly right? where even in your career right now if you've moved continents and countries and different cities it is it's what nothing. it is yeah. <laughs> and you, it's it's a good time if you make it a good time so when you have to do certain things you just do them and survival right in your childhood i reflect back on on my experiences as, as well and i don't know if it was the same way for you but i could sense very early on that i was different mm-hmm. when did that happen for you I want to say it was probably like 12, 12, 13. Tell us maybe about an instance in which maybe you didn't feel you belonged. Yeah, outside of my home, I've always felt like I belonged. I'd say the one place I didn't feel like I belonged was at home. I think maybe in like conversations, like literally so you're watching TV and something a little bit controversial comes on and everyone's like, oh my God, those people again. You know what I mean? in your head you're having like a mental conversation around the fact but that's normal like what do you mean and i think starting to verbalize those converse that thought and then having those conversations in my home i think that's when i started to feel like i didn't belong Mm. it was less of um i had different thoughts and different point of views but those were pretty critical i could sense that too there were certain western things that you see on tv right it's yeah yeah yeah, it's you know you see the pride parade and Mm -hmm. it's just like oh those people again right Mm -hmm. and you know i have my beliefs i'm having this internal struggle all the time did you feel that oh yeah and it's always probably like with the most wholesome things too like you're probably just at home watching ellen or something stupid (laughs) 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 it i think it was always with her i think I think they found her so funny and stuff, and then, but they knew she was gay, and it was always, like, a topic of conversation, like, oh my god, like, this is such a great show, but, like, oh my god, like, what is this agenda type of thing, Mm -hmm. and I was like, this can't be serious, but, yeah, always was serious. Yeah, absolutely, and so, because you were feeling that way, Mm -hmm. and, like, there's this kind of, like, would you say it was, like, awkward kind of tension? Awkward. Awkward for sure. There's no resolve to the conversation, right? Like, if someone has a point of view and it's pretty negative, it's conflicting. It's super awkward, though. Mm-hmm. I, awkward is the word for sure. Maybe, like, my true self was never in my home, so mm-hmm. it didn't really matter, right? So I think when she'd say those things, I'd be like, I don't have to talk to her anyways. Like, it's it's so unimportant, Right. So then I'd find solace and I'd find my true self outside of my home with my friends. And that's how you start to build your own little nest outside of your home. So I knew the topic was going to get broached at some point. I just was not the first person to come up and say, I I knew for a fact I wasn't going to be like, oh, hey, mom, hello, I'm gay. I think it was more like uh, when she brings it up, she brings it up and then ah, and then we'll go from there. But it was never my intention to go first. That's for sure. And she did eventually bring it up. Oh, of course she did. Yeah. <laughs> when did that I happen? I do. Uh, it was the summer before my senior year of school. Yeah, it was the most, the scariest, because it's something that's like looming and everyone can feel the tension, but no one ever talks about it. And then you try to never be alone <laughs> with your parent because mm-hmm. you don't want it to come up. And then uh, one second you're alone and then she brings it up and it's chaos, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like the world is about to end. But Can you describe the whole situation? Because it was it was an awkward moment. It was awkward for sure. We were um, driving from Fort Mac at the time to Edmonton. You know for a fact that she has all of these thoughts that she's ready to bring out for you. And she's ready to bring out this all these points. Um, it was a long-winded conversation about who I was and what I wanted to do and why I was choosing 
um, this path in life. And so it was really scary, for sure. Because she still thought it was a choice. Yeah. I think it's less of it's a choice for me to act on it. It's more of it's a choice for me to publicly be this way. I think there's a difference there for immigrant parents. I think um, for her, it was like, if you're doing this thing, like, don't bring it out, right? Like, how dare you do that and be public about it? It's more of like, you're choosing to be public. And why are you choosing to be public? And it's not like I had like, I was like a very, I don't know, conventionally like homosexual wearing pride bracelet bracelets or something. I wasn't. I think it was just her fear of just either me getting into a relationship and being super open about it. Mm. That was like her real fear, I think. You mentioned some of the things that she was... What do you think that she was really scared of? Like, what would happen to you? I don't know. I think maybe what people would think of her. An only daughter, and her only daughter is a lesbian. I think Mm -hmm. all of those internalized things that she was probably feeling about her own appearance, I think, bled on to how she was treating me at that time. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of shame, right? Yeah. Yeah. How's your relationship with your mom these days? I'd say, like, they're still rocky. There's a lot of things outside of my sexuality now that we deal with um, one-on-one that we have issues with. Mm. But I think we're good there. Yeah. But other things will always still be looming. Because there's going to be a lot of parents listening to this as well. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've received emails from parents. Oh, my my, my child's come out to me uh, yeah. and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who's come out, you know, when they're a teenager, as we often do. Yeah. Um, what did you want from her? I didn't want anything. Mm. It's And that's the crazy thing. I just, mm. I think what kids are looking for is for things not to change. For you not to treat them differently. For you to treat them the same way that you did before hearing about it. That's the biggest thing. I think kids want to just live their lives as adults do, right? Because, mm. I mean, when you're a teenager, it's just that battle there between finding yourself and going through things but it's it's having one less person be against you that's your parent you just don't want things to change because the moment that things change you start to second guess your vulnerability and how you came out to them or the conversations that you had with your parents right and then you sort of question everything and then everything after that becomes a secret Mm. right yeah absolutely now you did find allies outside of your family even though you didn't necessarily feel Mm -hmm. at home at home yeah can you tell us a little bit about that? I also ended up coming out at school, too. I told my friend, uh, my best friend at the time, who still is my best friend, uh, Miriam, what was going on and kind of my feelings and stuff. She's such a great girl. So shout out to Miriam. And I do shout out to her. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely <laughs> can. <laughs> yeah, no, she's, she's amazing. Like her and I remember going over to her place and just spending a lot of times there. Uh, during the summer and her mom just being so just welcoming and it's it was just a breath of fresh air i think you know you always think that maybe like all immigrant parents are gonna be the same way are gonna perceive you the same way but uh her mom was just completely down to earth and really saw that i was you know struggling with my family and just became my family and embraced me for who i was so um yeah allies in the most unexpected place for sure can you tell us a little bit about that coming out experience to Miriam? Did you come out to the, her mom too as well? No, I think I came out to her and I think, I don't even know how her mom found out. She probably just told her mom, hey, hey, I'll just gay or something. And then they, it was just so chill. Like that's what people need. People just need to be chill and they were. And that's what it was, right? I think I think I was maybe like ranting to Miriam or something. And then her mom came in the room and we just, it was like a group chat we just have a conversation about what was going on what was it about Miriam that made her a true ally in that sense just always made me feel really comfortable she'd make you know silly jokes about me finding a girl attractive like things like that things that you would naturally do with your friend if that person were straight she was doing the same thing with me knowing that I was into girls do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. conversations laughs jokes insults towards each other were all the same they never change. And I think that's what I needed. I just needed like a friend who didn't change. And I got that from her for sure. What was it about the way that she conducted herself with you mm-hmm. that made you feel like this is a person that I can trust? Our conversations never change. And instead of a he, it was a she, mm-hmm. right? All that she did was just like talk about 
like if I was talking about something, we'd talk about girls instead of talking about boys. And then when it was her turn to tell me about her like her boyfriend and her stuff, we talk more a guy. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing, right? It's just making sure that you're affirming that person's sexuality by just continuing to be who you are and who you were prior. Like that's all the same and you're just changing pronouns because hmm. that's that person you've normalized the situation and then they can feel more comfortable around you because i just wanted to be normal right yeah absolutely in the gay community we often talk about you probably have heard the term- terminology that we have our you know our families and sometimes if chosen we can't talk family, to families yeah. we have our chosen family yeah. right do you have that now you, oh yeah you, yeah an amazing group of friends of have friends from high school that i'm still like super close with and i still talk to them like on a regular basis all my friends from high school like straight <laughs> yeah so like i have like all my straight girlfriends they were there at the beginning you know what i mean when i was coming out when i was having all of these issues in life they were always there so they're my chosen family for sure and then now i have a group of friends in the city who i'm like super close with and we see each other like almost every weekend i'm enveloped by so many people and they're they're all so different i don't think if they even met each other they would be friends you just find them as you go and people stick or they don't and it's all based on personality at this point in time yeah because there's going to be people listening to this mm-hmm. that may not feel comfortable coming out part of that chosen family is having that community around you that of you course. can be your true self with oh, right mm-hmm. if you were to speak to those individuals that are maybe struggling or feel like they're they're on their own mm-hmm. what would you say to them whoever your friends are if you feel comfortable around them chances are they're not going to turn you away I don't know, like, reach out to me if you're in the city. I don't know if you want to go out or something. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm serious. I'm serious because, like, friendship, it's, like, it's one of those things, like, you don't owe anyone anything. They don't owe you anything. But if you sit around and you're able to laugh and kick it with someone and that's a good time, trust and believe they're not going to care what you do in the bedroom. Yeah, it's that overcoming that fear, right? Because, you know, there's sometimes that that fear like just like your your mom right yeah like there's this fear that happened with her that stopped her from kind of maybe connecting with you in a, in a proper way mm-hmm. but there's also the fear that we put on, on ourselves, ourselves right yeah. to like it's a big one too right to, it's a hard thing to overcome right it's such a hard thing and that for that you got to work on yourself first that's part of your growth that's part of your maturity that's part of knowing yourself and affirming yourself and being very comfortable that comes with time and oftentimes it's also a lot of work because we've been through so much it's an extra layer of ourselves that we had to put in there it's now you know like we got to go to therapy like those are real things that we have to do because of this layer of stress and a lot of pain that comes with it that we're dealing with so i'd say like if you have that inner fear sometimes you just need to go and sit someone and talk to them Mm -hmm. and then once you start to feel a bit more comfortable then you know you move to the next step right everyone has a different trajectory in terms of how to get there yeah sometimes you just have to work on yourself first before you're comfortable to even just be yourself around your friends right Mm -hmm. yeah maybe you know give it understanding for somebody that does feel kind of Mm -hmm. alone the before and after so now that you've you went through those struggles you know with your with your family and then Mm -hmm. you found your chosen family and you've you seem to be at a place in your life where you know you're you're living your true Mm -hmm. life and who you are what does that feel like now Uh, did you think this was ever possible uh i don't know man (laughs) i don't i don't i don't i didn't think i don't even say success but to me like success um would come this early i think i've always like felt like it was coming you just never know when you're going to feel content with all the things that you have. So um, to answer your question, no, I think I think you just get lucky. You know, if you have that confidence in yourself and you have that feeling that things are going to be OK. That was always my feeling, at least. Right. Like no matter what I was going through, it's like things are going to be OK. I just need to like keep doing what I'm doing. That's like working hard and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, blessings just come didn't think i'd be here right now but mm-hmm. yeah what does that feel like to know that you know you're an organization where you can talk about your girlfriend and mm-hmm. you can talk about it's normal for you right it's mm-hmm. nothing that's that's any different feels amazing it's also like just a blessing to be able to come and just also be my full self and mm-hmm. my true self you know for the ones out there who don't get that opportunity i hope you find it like i feel blessed you know, just getting the opportunity to do things like this, you know, during working hours and representing my beliefs and bringing them to like a higher ground within an organization Mm. like ATB. So especially in Alberta, I think we're moving pretty fast. So I think this is like a really great thing that they're doing. 
going down the ATB track just a little bit. Yeah. Um, we launched ATB 11 mm-hmm. back in June. When you opened up that package or you heard what was being shared that mm-hmm. day, what were your initial thoughts around ATB 11? And real talk here, like what were you feeling? <laughs> real talk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you can do anything else, Andre. I know you will. <laughs> I remember I saw something like courage. That's the only word I remember. So I thought it was pretty cool that we would even think about doing something like that, right? Like, I think a lot of other organizations put, like, stickers around and Mm -hmm. bands around, but we tried to, like, incorporate that to our ATBs, the values that we live by here, and I think that's pretty cool. I just hope, like, like, it's something that's foundational and it's a long-lasting part of ATBs. How do we go about living number 11? As somebody who has been marginalized... Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've been marginalized on a number of different fronts. I mean, you're, you're, you're gay, mm-hmm. you're a person of color, you're mm-hmm. a woman. You've had kind of a lot probably happen to you yeah. in, uh, in, in all those different uh, aspects there. You know, how can we do a better job of, you know, really kind of living up number 11 and really bringing that to life, do you think? I'd say it's always about making people comfortable. That's always number one, regardless of all of our differences. I think if you're able to walk into a room and not make anyone feel awkward not make anyone feel different like you you still have to acknowledge the differences obviously like you know don't negate the fact that someone's different than you but you just have to make them feel comfortable and i don't know if that's a gift or if i don't know if that's something that you know you learn mm. in time but obviously the more you're around people who are different than you the more you are likely to be able to go into the world and just be a natural ally right mm-hmm. like if you know i've never seen an alien and an alien walks into the room like i'm, I'm gonna be scared like nah, right right <laughs> and then someone's like you know don't discriminate against aliens i'm gonna be like i cannot discriminate against this person it's weird right it's not a right. person it's an alien so i'd say number one like exposure mm. right if for you to even know about like a black person and then like a gay person you just need that exposure you need to be able to be in a space where we are present Mm. for you to even know how to react Mm -hmm. to us right and i think a lot of people battle with their own prejudice from their younger years and their their parents you know like all of this stuff that happened way before i even existed or Mm. before you even existed people are still dealing with that so the more exposure to get to people and the more gay friends someone has the probably less homophobic they're gonna be like Mm. it's just a natural thing right I've been reading this book by Brene Brown, and she mentions there's one title of one of the chapters in there that I just struck a chord with me, which is around people are hard to hate close up, so lean in. Do you believe that's true? Yeah, I think so. I've heard people say homophobic things just in passing without anyone even knowing that I'm gay. And like, dude, like. <laughs> <laughs> by the way. <laughs> right? And the moment you're like, the moment you even do that, I think it like catches them. It's like I've been interacting with this person who happens to be gay this whole time, and it was a good time. Right. And then, like, right away, people are like, oh. You know what I mean? Like, it takes people a minute to get used to things, and that's okay. However long it takes... Well, obviously, don't let it take you, like, a month. That's weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? The moment, like, someone knows that you are gay and they've had this great interaction with you... The next time they are sitting somewhere and someone says something really, like, negative, they're going to think twice and be like, that's BS. Mm-hmm. I know someone who is like that, and I've had nothing but great things to say about them. The way that kind of works is because I think there's far more that connects us than, yes. right? That That's just one part of my life. It's a big part, but it's a small part. Right. Weird that way. Explain that one, because I think some people are going to have trouble grasping that. I think we're at the forefront of gaining so many rights and doing so many things out there and going above and beyond to ensure that our trans brothers and sisters are accepted. But then it's a small part because like I don't walk into a room and say like, hey guys, I'm gay. But we're like, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's the same way how I don't walk into a room and say I'm a woman and I, I don't go into a room and say I'm black. <laughs> I find like it's a it's a big deal because sometimes others or society will make it a big deal, right? And right. then whereas for myself, it's just like, it's so normal. Right. Uh, going away from the gay experience, even on the race side of things, I, I find I forget sometimes. I forget sometimes. Until like I'm in like sometimes a con- in a convenience store and I'll have like somebody watch me more carefully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. You sometimes forget that you're a minority i forget all the time we talk about belonging 
mm-hmm. as a huge part of A to B 11. And we want to create this culture of belonging. Mm-hmm. What does that look and feel like to you? I always go back to that comfort thing. What makes you love your own personal space is the idea that whenever you're in it, you're comfortable. If you're spending eight hours somewhere, you you better feel comfortable. You better feel at home and you better feel like you belong. Because if not, you're not going to do your best work. Making people comfortable, that's always my answer. And I know a lot of people at ATB go hard and they work really hard towards um, doing a fragment of the work that it takes to move an organization, but they're putting all that it takes into a project. Mm -hmm. And if they're doing that for an organization, that organization in turn needs to make them feel like, you know, you are safe here all the time Mm -hmm. because we know how hard you're going for us, right? You're able to do your best work because you're focused on the work. It's it's all that other BS around Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm not thinking about how I have to like act more heterosexual or act more white or, you know, be more masculine or, you know, that sort of thing. All the things. Like all those things, right? Because all my energy is focused Mm -hmm. on what I'm doing. What's the difference between a true ally and someone who just says that they're an ally? Don't think too much about the recognition. Think so much about the fact that you're putting a smile on someone's face. Hmm. And that should be your gold star. If you're around someone and, you know, they're going through a tough time, whatever that may be, and they went from sad to happy or sad to a little less sad. I don't know what that looks like for that person, but just in that human connection there, you should feel whether or not you're a true ally. Mm. within that connection with that other person whether that be like our whole community or um if you're you know just interacting with one person that should be like a gold star that should be the recognition that you've changed someone's life on an individual level mm-hmm. i love how it all connects back to the story and the atbs as well because we talk about doing the right thing do the right thing yeah. right and it's not doing the right thing to get recognition it's just do the right thing good things will come of that we can't give you like a record we can't give you an award <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> and there's it also connects back to happiness too right yeah. it's if our purpose is truly happiness at the end of the day mm-hmm. we have you know allyship is a part of that yeah because right? that's other people's happiness and so with our allies here at atb it's really thinking about you know how am i showing up today mm-hmm. and how is that impacting others people just have to be really aware of their surroundings too right mm-hmm. Like sometimes one day a joke will be okay, but a joke won't be okay on that mm-hmm. other day, right? Yeah, and I think that's also there's also the don't make assumptions too, yeah. right? Right? Because who's to say everybody in the room is heterosexual and cisgender, exactly. right? That may not be the case. But just don't make dumb jokes, <laughs> or even just like assuming everybody, like for myself, ha- has a wife, right? Or yeah. girlfriend, right? In your case, you know, having a husband or a boyfriend, yeah. right? Leave it open, right? Leave there's it, yeah. other words that we can use mm-hmm. other than that that create space for people to be themselves. That's true. That's great. Awesome, Ange. This has been phenomenal. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Wow, that was really awesome. I love that as our first podcast of this series. And so good good job, Louis. Thank you. <laughs> I wish I'd been in the room now. And I'm so glad that we had Ange to do that with. Just really generous with her perspective and her time and sharing who she is and sort of some of the different struggles she's gone through, as well as a lot of the things that she called blessings in her life too, which right. are great to share in as well. So She was a fun person to talk to. It was time. like we were out for coffee. It was yeah. fantastic. Obviously, you both share one of those dimensions of diversity. Well, a couple, actually, as, mm-hmm. you, as you mentioned in the podcast. What was some of the key takeaways for you? I remember feeling that way. When she talked about my home was never my home, right? That whole experience of being in a new immigrant family in you know Canada. My mom not necessarily having been exposed to a lot of LGBTQ plus images and content out there. And she would make comments. The Pride Parade was on TV, and that was difficult. So I really identified with that as well. It's hard when home isn't your home. For sure. And I think that's something that a lot of people, whether you're gay or not, can identify with. Mm-hmm. Sort of. I mean, I think the way we commonly title it in our society is black sheep, but right. I don't think that really encompasses what that lack of belonging is. And especially when you're a black sheep for, you know, 
a rebel or something like mm-hmm. that, but just because of who you are, right? right? So those little nuanced ways that can show up. But yeah, that definitely gave me a little bit of goosebumps hearing that. And I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to for various reasons in their life. So yeah, and I think yeah. there's a message out there for anybody that's a friend or a parent, um, or even a leader or a team member here at ATB around creating that space is that, you know, we did talk about it in the podcast where I don't think her mom was intentionally being mean. It's, it's interesting how the, those interactions or the things that we say can affect others so deeply. Yeah, and that's that space of fear that she spoke about, right? And right. I thought that was so insightful um, when she talked about how a lot of times when people are reacting out of these places and mm-hmm. you're feeling like it's not very fair or it doesn't feel very good, they're reacting out of a space of fear. So for her mom setting up these expectations that she can be who she is, but don't be it publicly, right? right. Which is sort of the opposite of showing up courageously as you are, mm-hmm. is having that empathy sometimes for the haters, right? Right. <laughs> so like, where are they coming from? And, and why are they feeling so uncomfortable with this idea of who you are? And taking a moment too to be a bit empathetic to the, those people too, and that they may have a journey they need to go on to get there. Mm-hmm. I always call it hold their hand and take them with you, right? right? Versus beating people over the head with a stick because one's going to be a lot more long lasting than the other. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing that really kind of struck me about that conversation was how Anj wanted just things to be normal. And I think not necessarily just only exclusive to the LGBTQ plus experience, but also to other you know, different types of lived experiences as well, is that we all want to be treated like everybody else right? Yeah. And there's that, that comment that, she, that we talked about, which was around, it's a big deal and it's a small thing, a, a small deal, right? Like for me, it's just a lived experience. I forget about the color of my skin. I forget about I have a same-sex partner, right? It only becomes a big deal when I'm in a room, uh, maybe with people with traditional notions or when somebody makes it a big deal for me. And sometimes what I want people to do is just to be like, oh yeah, like everybody else just asked me like, instead of going down the whole road of asking me a ton of questions about being gay, just ask me like what my partner's name is. Start there and build up that trust. I'm more than willing to share all that stuff with you, but people make me feel different from the onset. It's It, it can be quite difficult to have those further conversations. It kind of brought up the question for me though, around the just treat it as though it's normal. Mm. Anj kind of answered this actually throughout the podcast too is that but don't discount their differences right right because if you kind of just that's a tricky one for me because there are things that are different which means people's lived experiences and maybe their Mm -hmm. obstacles and their needs are different Mm -hmm. Um, so if you pretend that those don't exist in an effort Mm -hmm. to just treat them as though everything is quote-unquote normal Mm -hmm. which probably also isn't maybe the best use of term either that can be problematic too so at what point if someone says something that like a homophobic comment Mm -hmm. let's say what would be your expectation from someone around you then situation for you in that Yeah, and case? I, I think there's two parts to that. I'm going to take this a little bit away from the LGBTQ side of things and talk about my experience as being a person of color, where when I have conversations with people, the first thing sometimes even before, hi, hello, how are you? What do you do? How old are you? Is where are you from? Yeah, for <laughs> right? sure. That and question. that's such a jarring question and a loaded question to ask me mm-hmm. that all of a sudden you've assumed that I'm from elsewhere, mm-hmm. right? Well, they've othered you right off the bat, Exactly, right? Yeah. right? Whereas there's a way to get to that. Like, I, I'm more than willing to share all this information with you and where I'm from and who I'm dating and all this other stuff. There's that treat me like everybody else from the standpoint of ask me how my day is going. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a really great place to start. Yeah. And then... Like the art of kind of small talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's so small. Like, and it's just... But it, I've had it happen to me so many times where that small talk is just negated because this person is just zeroing in on what makes me different versus what we have in common, which is maybe a really terrible day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other comment around somebody's hearing that homophobic or transphobic or biphobic or any sort of hateful comments, I think it's important to call that out right away, as long as you feel physically and psychologically safe in that moment, because that's the boundary I put there, right? Like if you feel like somebody's going to hurt you, maybe assess that situation. But I would say if it's somebody at ATB and we're in a meeting room and you hear somebody make that comment, I would assume most places within ATB are fairly safe. Yeah. Um, and we can call out that behavior to each other. In fact, it's expected, right, that, that we do that. Yeah. And I think about that experience as just another layered example as a woman. Sometimes mm. I come up to these experiences where I'm being treated differently or unjustly very clearly because mm-hmm. of my gender and overtly. 
quietly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and I am the type of person that could stick up for myself and mm. kind of dig my heel in and ask for the respect that mm-hmm. I deserve. Right. But it doesn't mean that afterwards I'm not left kind of feeling like, why did I have to be the only one to stick up for mm. myself? Like, right. why did everybody else just say nothing like that? <laughs> exactly. It's pretty obvious. And I had to stick up for myself instead of anyone else kind of standing with me on that. So, right. and then I think about women who aren't necessarily of the same gumption that I have around those mm. situations and wouldn't maybe wouldn't stick up for themselves and not have anyone else mm-hmm. stick up for them, right? So just because you can stick up for yourself, I guess my point is, doesn't mean that it's not nice to have someone else stick up for you too. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we all have to be there for each other and to recognize that if somebody's making those comments, it's not appropriate. We need to address it right then and there because I'm a big believer that majority of people aren't intentionally racist, homophobic, transphobic, any of these things. I think there is definitely a small percentage of the population who it's very much an intention that you're you're making trouble and causing trouble. But I think a lot of times it's just that people don't understand. For those people, it's important to use those moments as a learning moment and be able to educate them on something that maybe they haven't realized. It's like, hey, by the way, and not necessarily like say, make them feel bad about it, but just say, hey, you know what? The terminology that we use is this, or we prefer if we say things this way, times have changed, that sort of thing, and actually just have a real talk conversation about it. Yeah, I loved how kind of Anj talked about that too around they might be saying something and then she kind of lets them know like fyi i am gay and then they're kind of like oh all right then right like it's just like that (laughs) kind of eye-opening moment of yeah i don't know why i had all these preconceived notions and yeah yeah, i guess that was silly because you're an awesome person and i just had a great experience with you right yeah exactly do you think that puts a weight on the shoulders of people though to kind of constantly walk around as an ambassador for like your group like as as a gay person do you feel like then if someone has a negative experience with you or Um, what someone might consider a stereotypical even experience with you Mm -hmm. that you're like doing a disservice like is that a weight that you walk around with on your shoulders that you have to kind of be this outstanding awesome experience for everyone so that people (laughs) like gay people like do you know what I mean that I have to be this gold star gay person that's fighting for my community Uh, yeah I think sometimes and I, I think when I think about my role and the role of my committee it's just not me right that's part that makes the lgbta network run i have a phenomenal committee that really is doing phenomenal work around lifting up our community and helping people understand the issues of this particular community but with that those of us who have a passion around this who want to really be true allies and they're in the right space to do it because i think you have to be in i don't know if privilege is the right word but you have to occupy a certain amount of space to be very comfortable with yourself putting yourself out there right and i think there's some people out there that aren't going to feel comfortable about that like i think about somebody that maybe isn't out of the closet right yeah and i'm sure there's lots when we take a look at our engagement surveys there's still a good chunk of our population that chooses do not disclose and that could either be because they aren't out at work exclusively or they're just not out in general Well, and Alberta also, I think, has lower numbers than what we know is probably reality. Um, So I think that also speaks to the culture of the province that we're in too, right? So we have to take that into account that if you're not out, period, you're probably not going to come out at work, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think for me, being out and being very comfortable with being who I am and, you know, I have a rainbow lanyard that I wear everywhere. (laughs) I have a rainbow water bottle, that sort of thing. And I'm okay putting those, you know, symbols out there. But I think because I feel comfortable with that, that it's, it's partly my role to do that. And to say, you know, there might be somebody in that room that is struggling with that, but at least they might find security in knowing that somebody's wearing a rainbow lanyard. Yeah, and be able to kind of gravitate towards that safety, right? Yeah, and they may not tell me, and that's fine. They may just see it in passing, Mm -hmm. but at least I'm creating that space in that brief interaction that we have, maybe where we pass each other in the halls, where it's just, oh, okay, right, there are people out there who care. Well, and that's that demonstration that we talked about earlier around being able to actually live the ATV and show that it can be lived. And maybe it's not full-fledged lived in every nook and cranny of this organization. Mm -hmm. And we know that in different teams, sort of Mm -hmm. subcultures that happen and different leaders and things like that too. But I mean, there's 5,300 of us, so there's going to be differences throughout the province, but you have to start somewhere and someone showing that this is possible and you can do this too, right? Yeah, I agree. I'm curious to know, like, what did you learn from this? Was there anything in there that that was different for you? 
Um, for me, it was just really interesting hearing kind of someone's full story mm-hmm. end to end. I think probably along the same lines of a lot of people who are maybe allies of the LGBTQ2 community, but aren't, in, you know, aren't take up the A in there. Right. Um, <laughs> is because you want to treat people like it's normal, mm. you don't necessarily want to ask that, right? Mm-hmm. All the time and be like, so tell me about your coming out story or whatever, right? right? Like that doesn't seem like a fair kind of everyday sort of question until yeah. you get to the level of maybe deep friendship or something like that with somebody. Right. So I think it was really interesting to, through a podcast setting, be a bit of a fly on the wall of someone telling that story in a really comfortable uh, mm-hmm. setting. But they were okay to be vulnerable and open and be and real talk, which like hashtag real talk for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I think that's, that's sort of like a theme, hopefully, that we'll hang on to because yeah. I think that's so important. But yeah, I think that's a story that a lot of people don't always have the privilege of hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, because to your point, that takes a little bit a deeper level of closeness to be able to dive down into that otherwise that'd be a really weird question to be like hey nice to meet you what was your coming out story right so yeah. but it just showed a lot of the different nuances of vulnerability and also a lot of again those themes that run through different people's experiences that whether you have had that experience or not you should mm-hmm. be able to relate not fitting in maybe at home right. or maybe it's that you fit in at home but you really don't feel like you belong at work and it could mm-hmm. be for other reasons but it's that similar experience of being told to be something else whether that's overtly being told like Anjua's kind of by her mom like okay be who you are but don't be it publicly right. or whether it's covertly right where you know mm-hmm. something comes on the TV or like when she was said she was listening to Ellen right. and it was like little comments would be made like kind of how great Ellen is but too bad she's gay right like right. and you're sitting there being like I am too right so I think everyone can relate to some of those experiences whether you're gay or for a different reason mm-hmm. so that was pretty cool to just experience that and be able to relate so closely but mm-hmm. overall I just really really appreciated Anja's openness to just get into it so yeah, I agree yeah I know she's an incredibly strong person and um, just appreciate her vulnerability in, in sharing that story and I just want to echo something that you said as well around the the getting to know people that are different than you that's so key to li- I think that's like one of the first steps and it needs to be intentional like yeah. really intentional in your life like take a look around Take a look at your Facebook list of friends. Take yeah. a look at who likes your stuff on LinkedIn. Check out who you follow on Twitter. Do a bit of an inventory. Yeah. Does everybody look the same as you? Does everybody sound the same as you? Is everyone around the same age as you? Does everyone have the same sexual orientation as you? Because if they do, shake it up a little. Yeah, exactly. Like find a way to just not have the same conversations right. every day and to seek out people that are different and... That might mean like going to a different coffee shop this time or checking out a concert you wouldn't normally go to or Mm -hmm. saying yes to that friend that's been asking you to go out and you keep saying no to or just look for it in your life. Look for Mm. for having experiences outside of what you would have come up with yourself. Yeah, and I think there's so many easy ways to do that. Like listening to this podcast is one of them. I think that's one or we at least hope that it will <laughs> the people will continue to listen to this podcast i think they will um and then <laughs> <laughs> praying and hoping yeah exactly but there's also this part around like oh go watch an lgbtq film or read a book and go on to the g plus communities we yes. have such great resources here at atb like look at the lgbtq g plus community check out elevate check out the abilities team member mm-hmm. network uh, the Indigenous Team Member Network. Like there is stuff out there and people are posting really cool, interesting content and sometimes free stuff and events and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Like just push yourself a little to check something out that's different from what you normally would do on a Friday night or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think we left, uh, there's a lot of great tips here as well. And so really happy that this was, we were able to have this discussion on our yeah, first podcast. Awesome. Thanks uh, for inviting me to be part of this. Yeah, so. you're welcome. Thank you. If you're out there listening, we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to reach out to any one of us. If you have any questions um, or if you want to share your story with us, we are available to kind of connect with us. You can also, you know, share your own story on the G Plus community. If you're feeling, you know, that courageous, you can definitely do that. I've seen so many great posts on our G Plus community, so many personal posts on there, and they're just so empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, Um, because I think everybody can see themselves in those posts. So feel free to do that as well. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The Courage Stories. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening. For more information on Courage Stories, or if you'd like to share a story that you have, please contact Louis Martirez, L-M-A-R-T-Y-R-E-S, at atb.com, or Rachel Wade, R-W-A-D-E, at atb.com. You can also join and post your comments in the ATB number 11 G Plus community.